please open your books up to lesson number two, Repentance. If you missed last week, Pastor did a fantastic job. It was an amazing lesson on the oneness of the Lord. I love that word. I'm thankful for it. We are talking about repentance, and if you have, if you open your books, you're on page number 33, which I think is interesting. I know that probably wasn't done on purpose, but you know that's when Jesus died when he was 33. And death and repentance have a lot to you know, in common. I'm not saying it's a sign, but maybe it is. You never know. All right, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about repentance. It seems like a very large topic. It seems like a very old topic. Everybody in the church knows the word repentance. It's something we've heard about probably all of our life. Whether your walk with the Lord is brand new or decades old, you know about the concept of repentance. But the Bible tells us that it's important for us to have knowledge of the Word of God. It's important to be reminded of some things. Even Peter said, I'm going to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Or I'm going to remind you some things you're supposed to know. Matter of fact, the very first uh, verse you'll read in your book, the very beginning, is Hosea 4 and 6. It says, my people are destroyed. For what? For lack of knowledge. Now hold on a minute. What kind of knowledge? Because we're not knowledge of the Internet our knowledge of current events, our knowledge of technology. No, this is a knowledge of the Word of God, knowledge of God and His ways. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. This is what God says. Because you've rejected, that's to push away from knowledge, I will also reject you, that you shall be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. That sounds harsh, but God is very serious about His children that's us, having the knowledge of the Word in our life and not being without knowledge. That's what happens. Um, that, that's at least the answer to why, why it happened many times in the Bible when entire generations would turn to evil. Why would they do that? They didn't have knowledge of God. They lost and forgot the knowledge of God. It's okay. Pastor's here. Tammy's, Tammy's over there. But they, they still love each other mostly. Sometimes they have these services where they said, you know what? I don't want to sit with you. I love you from a distance. It's okay. It's, you know, hey, I've been married for a while. I know that feeling. You're just like, okay, I love you over there. You talk to God over there. I'll talk to God over here. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. So it is important. It's important to have, to have the knowledge of God. Matter of fact, that's one of the most important things. And the easiest to lose. We'll find it over and over. Stories in the Bible. They turned away because they knew not the works of God. Or Pharaoh knew not Joseph. How did these things happen? Because what they once knew slipped. And knowledge, like many things, is a perishable element. It perishes. If you don't renew it, you'll lose it. It's all of us. We've got to hear the word of God. And so repentance may seem like an old topic. But I, I realized in prayer that um, it's easy to get a little off the path of what repentance is supposed to mean. You know, there's a song, and I love to sing it. I even sing it to myself when I'm praying or even thinking about repentance. I sing about the song, um, Empty Me of Everything That's Not Like You. Empty me, wash me, cleanse me, change me, all those parts of the song. And it's really simple to sing it, and it's easy to stop there. Often, we feel like people that come in, get right with God, at least verbally, make no changes, and go right back into the world we were in before, and fall into the same problems over and over again. That's not what God means by repentance. It's surprising because we, we've, we've all, always forgotten that. Many, many large scenes have been filled with people that have repentant services. That's wonderful, and it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing, but the problem is repentance is not only a feeling of remorse or telling God I'm sorry. And repentance is supposed to be a change. Now, if, you, if there's only one point that you get this entire night, only one thing that you take away with your, from, your, from this conversation. Repentance involves change. And actually repenting means I turn or I'm going to change. To define it, it means a change of mind. It's recognizing the error in my thought or action 
and determining to change or turn away from it. Now, that determining, if you're thinking this in your mind right now, what about things I'm struggling to do or I feel like I have no power to change? It's a determination, and we have to invoke God's help. God, I am in, I'm going to intend to not do this or say that or think that or be that anymore, but I have to have your help, your power, your might, and be able to do it. And God will help you. But still, that's the point. For instance, just, just as a word picture, if, if someone comes to God for the first time and they are, they are saved, they have repented, and in the course of their lifetime, no one ever says to them, what happened to you? What changed about you? Why are you different? Then something's wrong in that, in that method of being saved. Do you understand? If they're the same, they talk the same, they act the same, they think the same as they did before they were saved, then, then there hasn't been the change that's described in the Bible. And, and we all can, we all can, we got that. Everybody loves that. But what we forget is that repentance does not just belong when you get saved. It becomes a part of our everyday life. And if, if they're really, if we get this level of repentance in our everyday life, that means there's a change happening in our life every time God says, that's not pleasing to me, or that needs to change. You hear that in a message or a song or you're reading the word or something happens or someone's encouraging or someone's testifying, and something in your spirit says, oh, I've got to change that. And you feel that. If we change and we grow in it, that, that's truly a growth. That's growing in the Lord. That's changing. If we don't, that's not growing. So that, that's the point we've got to understand. There must be something different. Every attempt on our part includes a asking the Lord for help. He gives the gift of change or repentance. In 2 Timothy 2, 25, it says, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Anybody feel sorry? Anybody feel remorse? Anybody want to change? Here's the thing I have to tell you. Genuine repentance is not cheap or easy. It means doing something. It means doing something. It means taking some action. And I, I know I haven't even started in my, in my notes. I just think this is so important to grasp. It means we've got to do something. And usually, it all depends on what God's talking to you about. But usually, that change in the way you think or act or thing you do is resisted by your flesh. That's what your flesh does. Your flesh wants to put it off for another time or say that it doesn't apply to you or that it's not necessary. That's the big one that we feel in our flesh. And I have to tell you this story. You may have heard it a thousand times, but it's very important because it gets the picture in my mind. My mom was in a conference. She heard the minister talk, and she became convicted. This happens to all of us every time there's the word, word is open. There's this conviction, this thing. And she felt like, in her spirit, that God was telling her to do something. Now, the amazing thing about it is that there's no one else to say, you, you need to do this. It was only God and her. That happens. You know, no one could be an accountable to her, and, or she could be accountable to you, rather, and say, did you do this? Because only God knows. She knew that when she and dad wanted to get married... His mom and dad, especially his mom, said, no, it's not the right time. And they went around her. Now, his mom and dad have never really been to church ever. They're not church people. It's easy to discount their advice. It's easy to say, justify, and say, well, you know, they don't know the Lord, not the Holy Ghost. What does it matter what they say? But she knew in her spirit that was wrong. Now, the only problem is it had been years. I mean, I've got, she's got... Uh, me, Jeff, and Dana by this time. So it's at least seven years, maybe eight years. A long time to say anything about it. It's like really your, your body and your mind, your flesh could say, well, that's, you know, that's water that's gone way past. You know, that's, what do they say? Water under the bridge? Yeah, there we go. I'm trying to think of the phrase. It's, it, it's as though it's not necessary. But she knew that the Lord wanted her to do something about it. This is repentance. And if your flesh doesn't feel uncomfortable about repentance, there's something wrong. Repentance is the opposite of pridefulness. It brings humility. It's saying, I'm wrong, God. It's easy to say, I'm wrong, God, 
in this service with the music and the preaching, I'm wrong, God, forgive me, cleanse me, and then do nothing about it. It's easy to because no one knows besides you and God. So moms came and sat down with Alice, my grandma, Harpole. almost said Huddiger, Grandma Harpole. And um, she said, Mom, i got to talk to you about something. She said, what? She said, well, you know when, when Bill and I asked for your permission to get married all those years ago? I said, yeah. She said, and you said no, but we went around you and found a way around it. And Mom was really teary-eyed, and she said, I, I, I want to I tell you I'm sorry that I, I asked for your forgiveness. And Alice said, Rosalie, that was years ago, almost a decade ago. Honey, forget about that. I, I forgot about it. Don't worry about it. She said, no. No, it's not something I can forget about. God put in my heart, I have to talk to you and ask you to forgive me. Would you forgive me? And, and Grandma was shocked, hugged her, cried for one of the first times. I didn't know anything about that as a child. I did know there was a difference between that household and how I felt before and after. Before, it was a very harsh place, and after, there was something that changed in that house. They never, that I, that I knew of, ever came to the Lord. But that is a picture in your mind of what it means to repent. It means doing something. Now, most of the time, it's just between you and God. There's not anybody else to talk to about it because your offense is only to God. It still means doing something. God, with your help, I'm not going to think that or do that or say that again. That's what repentance is. Amen? I, I'm, I've got so much to go to, and I'm going to jump into the next uh, part. Before I do, I want to tell you this one thing. What should I repent of is a great question. And how do you decide if you don't know? Well, the Bible gives us the Holy Ghost to lead us and guide us in all truth for that very reason. You've got something inside of you that will direct you and lead you. When you're reading the Word, when you're in church, and that's why we should be with together and hear the Word, because things happen in the Spirit with the Word. It sparks our mind and, think, and things we never thought about things we thought were okay, the Lord brings to our attention. That's how we know. The Bible talks about um, that the Word of God says what people highly value in Luke 16, 15 is detestable to God. Did you know that there's an upside-down value system in our world? What people say is wonderful and highly value, God says is detestable. And sometimes the other opposite way around it. So you can't use your senses and decide what is good and what's bad. God tells us what is wicked and what's holy, what's clean and unclean, what's worth living for and what's worthless. God sets those parameters and standards. Amen. All right. So now I'm going to finally get to the lesson that I ought to be in. And the first thing we're going to do is go over this verse that you may know. But it's important because it has all the elements of our, our topics for all four of these lessons. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. If you have it there, you can read it with me or quote it with me. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why did Peter say that? Is a response to people who had remorse, remorse. They felt pricked in their heart, the Bible says. They were, they were asking him, what should we do? Now what do we do? We are guilty of the blood of the Messiah. What should we do? And this is the answer. Through the true repentance and salvation process, God forgives, God forgets, God heals, and God restores. Look at those four things again. Do you see them right there on your page? God forgives, God forgets, God heals, and God restores. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't repent or forgive like you do? Oh, I'll forgive him, but I'm not going to forget it. Well, I'll forgive him, and I'll, God will help me forget it, but I'm not going to talk to him anymore. I won't be around them. I'm not going to sit next to them. I won't be nice to them. Aren't you glad God doesn't do that to you? Well, all right, that's it. I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I won't visit with you. I won't come to your house. Aren't you thankful that's not how God does it? Look at that again. God forgives, he forgets, he heals, and he restores. What an awesome God we serve. How wonderful he is that he has done that for my sins. I'm so thankful. How much more should I want to extend that to others? Peter was anointed by the Holy Ghost to tell us that salvation begins with repentance. It's a crucial part of our salvation. 
I'm not going to read the story. I love it very much about Zacchaeus. I want to point out something, though, in the lesson of Zacchaeus that's here in Luke 19. Zacchaeus had a face-to-face with Jesus. Zacchaeus had a meeting with Jesus. What an amazing thing. And that encounter produced something in Zacchaeus. And we don't see it. The Bible doesn't talk about the, the feeling sad part, the feeling the, the guilt or the hurt of sin. Somewhere in this life that happened. But it resulted in a change. Now, not a change that was understood by anybody else. You're going to give money back that you stole? Do those people even know that you stole that money from them? Do they even care? I mean, come on, you know Jesus now. Time has passed. Is it important to do this? No, Zacchaeus said, Jesus, I want to change, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay back to everyone that I've stolen. That is, that is the action of repentance. That's repentance doing something. That makes others look at Zacchaeus and say, what happened to you? Who did you meet? What is, what is wrong with you giving me money back instead of taking money from me? You're the tax collector. Wouldn't you love the IRS to do that to you and say, I am so sorry. We're going to give money back to you. You, you guys deserve money. We've mistreated you. I told my brother the other day, I said, you know what's great about our government officials? Me neither. <laughs> I know, that's probably not very nice, but I think it's funny. I do like it. All right, so here we go. We're into our, we're into our blanks. So what is repentance? Repentance involves remorse. Remorse is being sorry for our sins and regretting our failures. And that feeling of, oh, God, that's not pleasing to you. That's a part of repentance. That's the beginning. That, that, that conscience that feels that. And even if your conscience is, is, you feel like it's gone too far, God can speak to your spirit and still draw you, still talk to you. Repentance involves an inner change. This is the first thing that has to happen. It's a new mindset. It's a new way of thinking. It's a mentality that, God, this has got to be different. It changes here before the difference happens here. It must change here. And then repentance involves an outward change of direction. Wow. This means a new lifestyle, a new manner of behavior. See, what I'm talking about, the true repentance, isn't really acceptable or easy to talk about in some, some believers because they like to believe there is repentance without real change. Matter of fact, people that seek for a church that will just accept me, just love me and not, have, not me, let me change it all. Well, we want the Lord to accept us. He does love us. But if he, loves, if, you love, if he loves us, he wants us to change. Nobody wants to see someone admire and, and endure it and in, 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 in a miry pit and leave them there and say, I love you. Now you just stay there. He pulls us out of that. And it's so easy for us to see others and how they need to be pulled out of where they're at. And we forget that the Lord wants to do that for us today. Oh, it's a tough thing. Galatians says this, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Wow. Romans 6 and 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Look at the, the words that are used, so powerful. Crucified, destroyed. Remember, repentance is not about coming to an agreement with our flesh. It's not about coming to an arrangement. It's not about finding a better time. It's not about working it out. Repentance is about death. We tell new converts that. Just as Jesus died, we die in repentance. Just as he was buried, we're buried in baptism. Just as he rose from the grave, we're risen in this new life with the Holy Ghost. But we forget that the, the death part of repentance is still a part of our life after we get the Holy Ghost. There has to be a dying here that we experience consistently. Whenever God brings it to our heart and mind, and that's every day or every half hour, whatever it is, when we say, Lord, I've got to kill this flesh, it must be destroyed. That's what the Word says. Now, if you want the goodness of God, you want the wonderful things of God, you want the blessings of God, you want the pleasures evermore at His right hand, 
You want to be in repentance because that means I change and I allow God to have his way through me. My flesh dies and his spirit has his way through me. Look at what the verse says. And I, I love this verse because it's quite the opposite of what people think about the sad Christian life is about. Psalms 1, verse six, uh, chapter 16, verse 11. Sorry. Psalm 16, 11. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Wow, what a great place to be. That's not a place of sadness or sorrow. That's a place of joy and happiness. That's a place I can enjoy here. I may not have all the things the world says means to be pleasurable, but I can have all the things God says, and that's greater than any of the trinkets of this world. Amen? His treasure is so much better than the trash that the world calls treasure. So, but I've got to, got to really hammer that point. Repentance means death. Many people cry when they've done something wrong. And they might be crying because they were caught. We know this with kids. Children do this all the time. They're crying. They're so sad. But really they're crying because you caught them. And many times adults do the same thing. Even those who are politicians and celebrities, they'll have an apology when it's finally forced on them. Well, I'm sorry. Now we have a new phrase we hear in the past few years. I'm sorry, not sorry. I don't know what that means. But I I don't think you're really sorry if you put not sorry after it. Or if you say, I'm sorry if, and they put it on the person that you offended, if your feelings were hurt. I'm sorry if you got upset at this. I'm sorry if this made you upset. That's not repentance. I don't know what it is, but it's not repentance. Repentance is death. Look at the opposite of death. Look at the opposite of being humiliated and embarrassed. The Bible says that the most amazing message was preached. It was perfect for that moment and that time, and all that heard it were moved by it. It was a message of a man in chains, but was free. Talking to people that were not in chains, but were not free. It was a message that moved the crowd. So much so, there was even an invitation at the end of the message. King Agrippa, you know these things, that they weren't done in a corner. Do you believe them? You hear me? King Agrippa said, almost, thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Got me close there. Oh, touched my heart right there. That's, but I'm not going to make any movement because I've got a place of nobility. It's not a high kingdom. It's a little bitty kingdom, but still it's something. Just like Festus said, he was shaking and moved by Paul's testimony. He said, I'm going to hear you at a more convenient time. I've looked at every calendar I can find. I can't find any day on the year that says convenient time because they don't exist. Amen. And that is our flesh. Our flesh wants to put off what God is asking us to change and say, well, I'll do that. Anymore. Look, Monday's a good day to start. You start things on Monday. Let's start Monday. We'll do that now. Not now. We'll do it later. <laughs> or you know what? Oh, boy, the Holy Ghost is moving in this service. I tell you what, I'm going to come back to another service and see if that really happens like this again. See, that, that is not death. That's making arrangements and, and working it out. That's what our flesh wants to do. Put it off till later. Find a better time. But repentance means I've got to die to me. Following Jesus means embarrassment sometimes, especially to this flesh. Think about what Peter did. I just read this the other day. I was surprised to read it like this. The Bible says Peter followed Jesus from afar. Or another way to say it is Peter followed Jesus from a distance. Yes, he did. Because it was, you know, a difficult time. It was scary. What was going to happen? Jesus is being arrested. And Peter followed from a distance. Following from a distance is a dangerous spot to be in. You're too far from Jesus to be comfortable around him. But you're too far from the world to be comfortable with him. You're following from a distance because it's a weak commitment. I'm, I love him. I'm just going to watch where he goes and stay on the path, but I'm going to stay distant. I don't want to be identified with him. But I, want to, I, I do love him. I just don't want to give everything to him. It's not surprising that you'll end up denying you ever met him, cursing his name to prove you don't know him, following from a distance. What is the difference between that and John who was right up there with him? Well, you could die. You literally could. This is a life and death situation. And yes, what this is, 
Repentance is a life and death situation. You could die to your flesh. Or you could have your own way and control your own life and say, I'm the God of my own existence. I just love Jesus, but from a distance. Well, I feel like that is something that the Lord is speaking to my life. We've got to hear it. Got to hear it. Who needs repentance and why? And why? Repentance is not an option. It's a command for everyone. Matthew says it like this. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist commanded repentance. Now after that, in, in Mark chapter 1, when John was put in prison, prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Jesus commanded repentance. Mark 6 and 12. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And Luke 24, and they said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day. And repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So the apostles also commanded repentance. Jesus announced that every nation should repent. It's a worldwide call. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter how good you are. Repentance is for everyone. Amen? And by the way, while we're on the word good, you know that there is no such thing as godless goodness. Not for very long. It may seem like it. Well, they're good people. They don't love God. They don't really serve God, but they have a good family. They have good morals and good values. Look throughout the Bible and find every story of people who tried to live their life in a goodness without God. Matter of fact, Jesus said it like this. Got the house all cleaned, it's all swept, it's beautiful. Everything's nice, but nothing fills it, nothing from God. I'll tell you what, the end of that man will be worse than the beginning of him. He'll go get seven more devils and bring it back to him. There is no such thing as godless goodness. On our own, I promise you, given enough time, it may take, may take time. Given enough time, we'll all fall away from what we thought was okay and normal. We'll get into stuff we thought was twisted and horrible way back then. Because without God in our life, we, we, we wake, we'll wake up one day and say, how did I get here? How did I get to this spot? That's why everybody, I'm not, pre, I'm not teaching repentance something that you should do. I'm saying this is something that we all should do. We have to do to have a life. This is necessary to the life of following Jesus Christ. Following from a distance has been that good spot. I'm just a good person. I love him. I, I love Jesus. I don't like all the things, but I love Jesus. And you'll end up in a place you never meant to be. Amen. So here's examples of some repentance in the Bible. Jacob, uh, in Genesis 35, repented. King David, Isaiah, uh, Jacob said, to his members of his household, I want you to do three things. Put away the strange gods. We must remove everything from our lives that stands between us and God. That's a God to us. We must be clean to purify yourself from outward filthiness of the flesh. To change your garments, we must lay aside the garment of sin. Throughout the Bible, you'll find the word sanctify. That word also means, is used also as consecrate. And you'll find every time you look up consecrate or sanctify, Never does the Bible say, at least in the Old Testament, that God will consecrate you or sanctify you. It's always sanctify yourself, consecrate yourself. They consecrated everything. They consecrated vessels. They consecrated the clothing. They consecrated their children. They consecrated their houses. They consecrated themselves. That, that takes something different it means cleaning. It means separation. It means something different. It means something that, that belongs to God and not to man. To consecrate means that often when they were going to go on a venture of some sort, when they're going to go out and fight, they would say, okay, we're going to sanctify ourselves or consecrate ourselves. Separate yourself from everything that's wrong. We're going to, we're going to spend some time in prayer. We're going to go do what God wants us to do, to consecrate. Listen to this passage in Isaiah 55. I love this. Seek ye the Lord. This is repentance. While he may be found. Seems like there's a time limit on it. I'm not sure what that means, except that there is a time 
when the Lord may be found. Maybe in this moment right here, maybe there'll become another moment. We don't know. It seems like from this passage that there'll become a time in your life when there may not be a moment if you continually push off from God. And it may not be because God is hiding from you. It may be because your heart has gotten so hardened you can't even feel God. Seek him while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. This is behavior. This is action. This is doing something. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he'll abundantly pardon. So I studied those two words to get a better understanding because the Bible says you can be wicked in your behavior, your way. You have wicked ways. And you can be unrighteous in your thoughts. Wicked in your, what you do and unrighteous in your thoughts. Way means journey, pathway, manner, habit, course of this life. Thoughts, of course, are purpose, plans, inventions, intentions. The Lord is interested not just what's on the outside and how you behave. We can all look up, all of us say, that we know is evil. That's obviously in the Bible. That's wrong. And we know that's wrong, and that's probably wrong. But in here, we have so much that no one can even talk about or even know that's wrong. And many people excuse themselves because, well, I'm not hurting anybody by what I'm thinking. And no one knows. It's not a big deal. And I'm not, I'm not killing anybody. That's a common refrain from people in the world. I'm not, I'm not a murderer. I didn't do anything bad. I've not you know, committed adultery. I just, this, just in my head. I remember a guy telling me one time about um, several pretty girls walking by. And I said, hold on a minute. I, I thought you were married. Aren't you married? He said, oh, yeah, I'm married. But you can look at the menu. doesn't mean you're going to order anything off it. Okay. I, I figured out something in life. You look at a menu long enough of pretty girls, you will order off that menu eventually, one day or another. Yeah, you're going to lose your marriage, bub. Well, I'm, just, I'm just looking. It's not a big deal. I'm not hurting anybody. Yeah, you will hurt yourself and your wonderful wife that you love because you understand you can be unrighteous in your thoughts, wicked in your ways and righteous in your thoughts. Wow. And I, I think about this, and I, I realize when we begin to let the Lord do his work on us, and use the searchlight of his word, his spirit, to show us we can sometimes feel condemned. God, God, forgive me. Cleanse me. Well, what do you do if it's something you've already asked the Lord to forgive you for before? What if it's the 10th time or the 30th time? You've got to understand, I, I'm staying with what the word of God says. Repentance doesn't just mean I'm sorry. It means I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to change. I want to repent of this thing not to be repented of again. That's what the Bible says. And I, I, that's an intention in my heart. So I can offer you some words of advice. Number one, one of the lessons in the books of, of Judges is God's response to the cries of the people. It would often take them seven years or eight years or even 18 years of bondage, trouble, and devastation. But finally, they would return to the Lord. This is repentance repenting for sins that brought them into trouble in the first place, and God would forgive them and raise them a defender. If God can forgive those people who would continually run to embrace sin with both hands hungry for evil in this world, how much more is he willing to forgive you? Yeah. And I think about Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah lists all the sins of the people, all the horrible things they've been doing, and the priest, that their hands are full of innocent blood, wicked people. And what does the Lord say to them? He says, wash you now, verse 16, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings before mine eyes, cease to do evil. Verse 18, he says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you'll be willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the lamb. God is not only okay with forgiving you. He is eager to forgive you. He wants to wash his children. He wants to cleanse us and make us right. He wants to do the work of repentance in us. Last thing I want to say about that, repentance is very little about saying the right things and doing it the right way, and very much about reconnecting with the Almighty. I love you, Lord. You see this in my heart. You know what's wrong. Forgive me. Help me. I want to make steps to make this right. That, that's, that's the heart of it. It's, sim- it's so simple, and I know that because that's the simplicity of it. In the scripture, 
we hear the word seek, call, forsake, and return. That's true repentance. Now, we talk about the prodigal son. Uh, the Bible says that this boy took his inheritance, the money that was going to come to him eventually. When, he, when his dad died, he wanted it early. So I don't know how that works today. I don't know if you can do that. But he wanted his money today, not later. So he got all his money. And he, um, he went off to the big city. The Bible said he lived riotous living. He, just, he had a lot of friends because he had a lot of money. And had a lot of all the pleasures of the world that you could imagine. Everything. Until the Bible says, surprisingly, which really isn't surprisingly because we see these things happen, a great famine came in the land. Oh, boy. All, the, all that was free and easy before it became hard. All the jobs just shriveled up. And his money shriveled up, too. And he finds himself, good Jewish boy, trying to find work. And finds a place in the pig pen. Now, of course, Jesus is telling his audience the most disgusting, horrifying place any Jewish person could ever be. And, of course, they may even ask him, Lord, why would someone that is a Jew even own hogs? You can't eat them. It's a good question. I always wondered that about the guy who thought hogs were off the top of the hill. Why were they even keeping hogs? Probably selling them to the Gentiles and making money. One of the, maybe one of the reasons why they, they pray that he would leave, Jesus, please depart, and he did. So this boy is in this spot, the Bible says, paints this picture of just hitting, going to the very bottom you can be in life. He's there, he has no friends, he has no money. He is scrounging around in the husk of corn, just husk, not actual corn, that the pigs eat on and trying to eat them. The Bible says he would fain would fill his belly or just in a useless attempt until this moment happened where he comes to himself. Now that's the, that's the beautiful picture. That's the one we pray for for everyone that's distant from the Lord. He comes to himself. He says, why am I here? I'm trying to get food from this, from husk that pigs have eaten off of. When in my father's house, there are servants there that they have, they have bread, they have all the food they need. They're the servants. Now, that is that, that's that feeling. That's the Holy Ghost moving right there. That's that feeling of remorse in our life, saying, this is not right. I've got to change. That's the first step. Now, he's going to confess it out of his mouth. This is hard for us to do. We don't have to do this to others unless they're the ones we've, we've offended. But even talking to God, we should confess out of our mouth and say, Lord, this is what I've done wrong. This is not right. I'm going to say it. When we speak it out, it loses some power it has over us. It really does. Even it's addictive behavior. When we talk it out loud and say, God, here's what it is in my life. I'm going to be honest about it. You already know it. I don't know why I'm trying to hide it from you in the first place. But here is what I'm really fighting with. And he says, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to say to him, Father... I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm not worthy to be your son. I want you to take me down a step. Take me down to the servants. I'll lose all my rights, all my privileges. I'll sleep in the bunkhouse with the servants. I won't even make any money. I'll be a servant. I'll be glad to do that. And he got up, and he came to his father. Now that, you think right there, that takes a lot of humility. You're going to come back home with not even a dime after making such a big boast about what you're going to do in the city? You're going to come back looking like this, like pig mud and slop? You're going to look, come back smelling like this? You're going to walk that way? That is the battle between flesh and spirit in almost all the services we have when someone's sitting back there and knows God's wanting them to come to the front and that that battle's in their heart. I don't want to be embarrassed. I'm not, I'm not that bad. I'm, there are other people that are worse than me. There's that fight, fight between the Holy Ghost call and our flesh rising up and saying, oh, I'm not going to do that. I've even seen people hold on to a pew or a chair in front of them, just shaking, trying to hold on, not, not wanting to give in. But he arose, came to his father, and when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The thing we don't see from this son is coming to himself, confessing his sin, and then saying, you know what, I'm gonna, let me wait it out a few more days. This family can't stay forever like this. I'm just going to work it out. Repentance means that God to get up and make a change. Repentance means an about face to turn from what I was going towards towards this way. Amen.
Here's the results of repentance. Matthew 3 and 8 says, bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. Fruits in this verse mean evidence, and meat, that word means worthy or suitable. Bring forth evidence that's suitable for repentance. Wow. Show that there's been a change. Make a difference. When true repentance occurs, there is evidence. When there's a true true change, there is evidence. Yes, it is true to say that it starts inward. But if it starts inward, it must work outward. Everything inward has got to come out. For good or bad, it's going to come out of you. And if it's true repentance, there will be evidence. Romans 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Repentance is the beginning of that process. With true repentance, I confess that Jesus is Lord of my life. There is something in my mouth that has to say. I've got to talk to him. Now, I've told people all my life, and I think it's always true, that when you repent and you're praying for the Holy Ghost, you don't have to say everything you've done wrong all your life. You're going to be up here for a day or two. The God knows what you're doing. But I'm talking to this Mostly, I'm talking to those who know the Lord, and we're talking about your daily life. There's a time of confessing, talking to God, speaking these things out with your mouth. With true repentance, we read 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. With true repentance, I will confess my sins to God in prayer. It's important to name out loud to God each sin we can remember. There is true repentance acknowledging out loud specific sins. We can take ownership of what was wrong. A blanket prayer that we love to pray. Oh, God, forgive me for everything I did wrong today. Help me, bless me. Jesus, amen. That's, that, yeah, I'm glad the Lord probably loves every prayer, but that really doesn't get much done. That's not really repentance. That's not turning. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, I'm going to give all my goods to the poor, or half my goods, rather. If I've taken anything by any man's false accusation, I'll restore four, four times. With true repentance, I will make things right with others that have done wrong. I want to read this. There's a couple um, quotes and stories that are in the material that Sister Shock has compiled that I think is just amazing. One of those uh, you'll find uh, on, on the altars and offerings page at the bottom. Henry Drummond says, Every person has fallen at some time in his life, most many times. I'll put my hand with that one. Peter's steps in denying Christ have been traced by every human foot. Anyone can understand how he could have slept in the garden when he should have washed and prayed. Most of us feel an unconscious, almost unconscious sympathy for him. Who of us would dare to look down upon the faithlessness that made him follow Christ far off instead of keeping it in his master's side? But there's something in Peter's life that's much greater than his sin. It's his repentance. We all too easily relate to Peter and his weakness but few of us grasp the wonder of his change. Sinful Peter was one man, and repentant Peter another. Ha, I love that. That is a real lesson in his life. And that's a lesson in our lives. What a gorgeous, wonderful thing we offer to every person in this world. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just something that's good for you or good for you to know about or nice experience. It's not a great trip to go on. It's something that changes you so that others say, who are you and what do you do with my friend? That's what we want. We want that to be because this world is, is going away from the Lord. We want to go towards the Lord. And by that step, we'll change and become different. And the world around us will say, I don't even know you anymore. Wow. There's this a quote down here. I want to find it. I believe it's on um, to think on these things, possibly. Nope, not there. More than the story. Okay. The more than the story page. Uh, Bonnell Thornton said, some often repent, yet never reform. They resemble a man traveling in a dangerous path who frequently starts and stops, but never turns back. Here's the danger in that, ladies and gentlemen. That way will lead to destruction. It will lead to destruction in this life and the life to come. It will lead to destruction. And it, it seems like it's not going to because we've said, I'm sorry, Lord, and we stopped our, our behavior. But until we turn around, we're still going the same direction. That, that's obvious, but that's literally what's happening in our spirit, our heart and mind. 
Oswald Chambers says this, get alone with Jesus and either tell him that you do not want sin to die out in you or else tell him that you, at all costs you want to be identified with his death. Powerful concept. It's an amazing thing to think about that. I want to stress that true repentance and the whole initial salvation in that whole thing, God forgives, God forgets, God heals, God restores. Some of us struggle with that. I don't know everyone doesn't think the same way about this, but if you're one of those that think badly about yourself and remember all the things you've done bad, remember God has forgotten that. It's not to say that you should not repent, but once you repent it, you've got to let that go and give it to God. Just as much as you trust that God will hear your prayer, you've got to trust that God will forgive you and forget about it. It's just as wrong to live under, under the punishment of your own sins, constantly chiding yourself, constantly beating yourself up about it, as it is to believe that God doesn't hear you in the first place. Those are both incorrect. God hears you, he forgives you, and he forgets. If God forgets, you've got to forget your own too. And if the enemy brings them back to you again, say, God's forgotten that. I'm going to forget it too. God help me forget it. That matters. Because many people are bound up by those things in their mind. That's that unrighteous mind, those unrighteous thoughts that we have. And if you are human, you, you understand some basic human concepts. I mean, every day you're out there, you're doing things in life, you get sweaty, you get stinky, you get smelly. It's just life, right? You go into this place or that place, and you want to get clean. How much more our spirit? Imagine if you never cleansed yourself. That'd be a rough person to be around. Imagine if you never cleansed your spirit. You got the Holy Ghost, but you allowed the world just to stay around you, and there's no repentance ever happening in your life. Repentance is not something you ever do. You remember it back when you got to, came to church that one time or you were a kid, but it hasn't happened. Genuine repentance consistently, there's something that you must do in your life. You are literally walking down that wrong road saying all the time, I love him, he matters to me, but he's at a distance. Stand up with me, would you right now? We're going to pray, and we're going to pray the prayer, not a prayer that a going home prayer like I usually pray. We're going to pray a little different prayer. We've got a few minutes. I'm watching the clock, so I know I've got to that time before I get in trouble and get ejected. So I want you to pray with me. And this is a, it's not an easy prayer to pray. It's a tough prayer. And if you don't mean it or you don't want to do it, it's between you and God anyway, so it's fine. You, you need to pray this prayer. Lord, I want you to look in my heart and my mind and my life, outs, inside and outside. If there's anything that you're not pleased with, anything you don't want in my life, tell me, Lord, and I'm going to do my best to, to repent of it and change that part of me. And God, if you tell me there's someone I should make it right with, whatever that means, if I should make it right with someone, then I'm going to do that. You're going to help me. But I, I, I'm going to make that change. Now, come on. Be open to the Lord right now. Lord, I open up my heart. I'm trying to be as honest as I can, open as I can before your face. You're the great, mighty God. You love us. You're eager to forgive us. You're kind and merciful. Lord, you, you are the God that says you will search me and know me and try me. That's the word of the Lord. Search me, Lord, I pray. Search me and know me and try me. See if there, there's any wicked way in me and lead me out of it, Lord. Not just a, not just a quick fix of a good feeling of the presence of the Lord in this, in this place, but a true change in my heart. Lord, whatever is not pleasing to you, I don't care if it's good in the eyes of men or whatever people think about it. What, if, what do you think, Lord? What is in your sight of great price? I pray in Jesus' name, open our hearts and minds, help us be honest with you. Be willing, Lord, to be honest with you and say, whatever you want me to do, Lord. There's somebody I need to forgive and I keep forgetting about doing it or putting it off, Lord, help me to forgive them. If I have an addictive sin in my life, Father, you will help me. Lead me and guide me. I'm going to take a step, Lord. All I can take is one step. I'm believing you'll give me the strength. You'll give me help. You'll give me support. You'll give me the word of God and the spirit of God to lead me and get me out of that addictive thing. I'm praying these things in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Take one minute right now. Just raise your hands. Talk to Jesus Christ. Pour out your heart right now. Just for one minute. Lord, I love you. You're in this house. You're calling me. It's your word. It stirs up my mind and my spirit. Thinking things I would never have thought of my own, Lord, without the word of God. It brings light, Lord, to a darkened place. Oh, your word, the entrance of their word bringeth light. It bringeth understanding to the simple. I hunger for your word, Lord. 
You're the God of light and clarity where only confusion and darkness is. You bring, Lord Jesus, and elevate understanding of our hearts and minds. What pleases the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm praying right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Someone thank the Lord right now. Just thank you for being in this place. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I pray the Lord works in your life. I, I, it's funny, I, you know, thinking about this lesson beforehand, I thought, Lord, come on, repentance. Man, this is, I, what am I going to say that's different or new or, or even, you know, helpful? But it's amazing that it's something that affects every person's life. Every day, it's not, uh, you know, we only get baptized one time. We should be. We only get the Holy Ghost for the first time, one time. We could speak in tongues every day, but we only get the first time that one time. But repentance is something we never leave. Every time you think about walking into that throne room of God, and you remember the tabernacle in the Old Testament, you think about, well, I enter with his courts with praise and Enter his, I'm sorry, enter his gates with praise and his courts with thanksgiving. I'm there to praise him and thank him. But before I get any farther, before I can get to the next step to get to the holy place, I've got to come to that altar. That's where I have to die to me. I've got to die to me. I've got to say, Lord, help me again today to surrender all of what I want, my demands, what I, my grievances, my loves, my likes, this flesh. Let it be dead to you. Crucify this thing. Before I can experience all the other things that I want of God. And often we get stuck way back in the worship and the praise and the thanksgiving part. We miss all the blessings God has for us on the other side because we don't go through the death. Amen. I love you all. I'm thankful for the Lord was here. I mean, we had a great time tonight. I really felt the Lord was moving in this place. And I pray that you have a wonderful week. We'll see you again this week, and God bless you. Jesus' name.